Welcome to the Warrior Parenting Podcast, where we empower your student to grow academically strong, social and emotionally mature, spiritually deep, and be prepared for life. Uh, I'm Caleb, one of the teachers at Longmont Christian, and we wanted to start this podcast so that you parents could hear um, more about those areas. So on each episode, we'll be unpacking one of those three things, as well as you'll be getting an interview from several of our staff, so you can get to hear more about their heart behind what they love to do at Longmont Christian School. So let's jump into today's conversation. Today, I am joined by Mrs. Perkins, or uh, Lindsay Perkins, our school principal, um, and we're going to unpack kind of who she is, where she came from, and then get into um, some more spiritual formation things um, about Christian education and why that's important. So, Lindsay, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, okay, so where are you from? I am from the great state of Texas. Whoa, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You Texas people always have an attitude. <laughs> I think, do. you know, uh, a hist- in a history of Longmont Christian, our, our first principal was from Texas. Oh. So he has a very thick Texas accent, uh, Mr. Bennett. So I'm sure somewhere he'd be proud to know that the Texas stuff is still he would be. flowing through the school. What part of Texas? Just outside of the Dallas area. And then I went to college at Stephen F. Austin in East Texas. Okay. Okay. So like, do you like Friday Night Lights? Oh yeah. Okay. That's that's part of um, culture and just the way of life down there. Whether you're, I was on the drill team, so I got to be a part of Friday Night Lights. But whether you're in the band, the cheerleaders, the drill team, um, it's just what you do on Fridays. So is that like you threw the thing, or is that a different? That's no, a, that's okay. the twirling flag core team, and they were with the band. Um, we would perform at halftime. Uh, with the band, but we were a separate entity. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So when did you decide you wanted to go into education? Probably my junior year of high school. Um, I was actually playing soccer as well and realized that one day I had been at school from 6 a.m. for drill team to 6 p.m. because of soccer practice, and I had missed my parents. And Um, I looked around the soccer field and realized there's a lot of girls out here who are probably glad they're not at home with their parents and at school. And I decided I wanted to be the adult that um, can be there for kids who maybe don't want to be at home um, Mm -hmm. and try to be a good influence as a coach um, for kids like that. So my first draw into education was actually to coach soccer Um, and I did that at the varsity high school level for a while in East Texas. And my love of history just made it simple to go into teaching history as well. Okay. So that was your first classroom thing was history. Okay. High school world history in 10th grade. Okay. Did you, how long did you do that for? Five years. And then about that time, uh, I had my first daughter and I knew, um, that coaching and mothering are sometimes very difficult. And Mm -hmm. I decided to keep teaching, but step away from the coaching role um, to to be a mom, to be more focused and just even present at home. Yeah, cool. Have you ever gone back to coaching? Like as, I guess now you have a kid, junior kindergartner as well. second daughter, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've thought about it. Um, 
but I have because I have refed younger teams. Uh, I think I was in high school and I was refing, um, but I just haven't had had the time to, to yeah to coach out. my youngest daughter or anything like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so how many schools have you worked in? Starting in Texas, um, high school. Then when I moved to Colorado, when I got married, um, Columbine High School, Arvada High School, Wayne Carl Middle School, and I, I made my switch to middle school and actually never looked back. So the last 16 years, I've been in a middle school. Okay. What year were you at Columbine? 2005. I was lucky enough that I got to work with Frank DeAngelis and actually do my principal internship that summer with him. Um, so I felt very blessed to, to get some guidance under his leadership before he retired. Okay. So was that, um, pre or post post? Okay. Did what was, um, this was not my prepared questions, but I didn't know that. So Mm -hmm. what was the, was there a difference between, um, high school pre Columbine and then post Columbine that you could recognize as a teacher? Yeah, I was actually still in college when uh, Columbine occurred, but just from what I've gathered, it's kind of like 9-11 pre and post airport. Mm -hmm. Um, We do things a lot differently um, in terms of safety and security. It's always been a priority, but the worst case scenario has happened now. So all of our trainings have become, you know, what do you do with an active shooter? Uh, and any time there are events like that around the country, law enforcement and schools are constantly studying those events to figure out, okay, is, do we need to adjust what we do? Um, I mean, you can't prepare for every single scenario, but I am calmed in the fact that uh, police departments always study events like that, and school districts and, and safety teams around the world or around the country will study events to make sure, are we missing anything that could have prevented that particular event or et cetera? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so I'm going back, you said you were in middle school f- specifically for 16 years. Yes. So then how, what is your total education experience? Like how many, what's the number of years? 22 years okay. in education. That's my 23rd. 12 of those years have been in administration, um, all at the middle school level until this year. Okay. Um, man, so I think, I think Steve had said 25 for him. So th- together, the two of you have like 50 years of, yeah. of experience. So that's pretty cool. Half a century. From, from our upper level of leadership here at LCS. Um, what's the, for a teacher, what's the transition like? And I guess, why did you want to do it to go from being, okay, I'm teaching world history in the classroom and now I'm stepping into the like, bum, 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 administration principal role. Uh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I loved teaching history and I think I'm still deep down. I'm a teacher. I can go into a classroom and start, Um, diving into the lesson plan and, oh, you could do this and, oh, the next time you could do this or, you know, things like that because I just love to get creative on that level. Um, But I had a very good mentor tell me after I received my principal license, don't leave the classroom until you're ready. And so I actually stayed in the classroom a few more years. There were a few more things I wanted to try out. 
um, as a teacher. Um, but what it came down to was that I liked history, but I loved kids. And I wanted to be able to pour into them beyond the classroom walls of history. Um, and as an administrator, you're pouring into the culture. You're pouring into the extracurriculars. You're pouring into their life on a broader scale. So I wanted to be a part of the broader scope of administration. Um, and that's what, that's what finally got me out of the, the classroom. I never stopped loving teaching. Um, I've actually heard of an administrator that said, I was just tired of kids. And I thought, so you went from being in charge <laughs> of 30 to 400? Yeah. I don't understand that. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but no, I, I love both roles, but love that as the administrator, um, you just get to have and see students in so many different uh, light yeah. lights. That's cool. What is like the biggest thing you feel like you've learned about students or kids over the past 23 years? Whew. We are all still growing. Um, I think, you know, one of the best pieces of information before I went into teaching middle school, having already been at high school, someone said, remember, they're in the middle of growing up and it's going to get messy. And that couldn't be more accurate. When you want to say, I wish they would just grow up. Well, that's exactly what they're doing. They're yeah. in the middle of growing up. Um, but I think what's also important as adults is to realize we're still growing up as well in terms of how we teach, how we learn, how we continue to adapt to, you know, changes in technology and changes in um, even how social media, media affects kids, whether they have it or not. Um, mm -hmm. They're still influenced by it and different things like that. So um, I think we never stop growing and we can't ever get comfortable um, not growing, not just in education, but, uh, with Christ. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. So for this, you said this is your 23rd year. Mm -hmm. So if I, am I wrong? Or I think I'm right on this, but for 22 and a half years, you had been in public schools. Yeah. 22. Yeah. 22 years. Okay. No, I'm sorry. 21. 21. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you made the switch to mm -hmm. uh, private school when we desperately needed a principal. So I'm really thankful yeah. for that. <laughs> Um, what, what, why? Public school can offer students and families a, a lot of things. Um, but because you serve everyone, um, with everyone comes a lot of baggage. And in my role as assistant principal, it can get really, really heavy. Um, and, you know, you, you have a front row seat to broken homes and families and mental health challenges and, um, you know, disabilities that uh, aren't necessarily a bad thing, but they're certainly hard to live life with. Um, and day after day after day of that can, can just be overwhelming. And it got to the point where... Um, I just, I needed a, a change and a, a new way of looking at um, education and kids. And there are things happening in public school that, you know, make sense for public school in terms of how the world is changing and viewing um, families and sexuality and marriages and things like that. 
Um, and I always tried to just focus on the kid in front of me and focus on the kids in the school. And my job is to educate them. Um, but it was becoming, that was also becoming overwhelming just in terms of what that job entailed. Um, that was state regulated, that you can't really argue with the state. So I decided, um, you know, I, I've got to step out of this role. It, it's too intense emotionally and mentally. Um, and there are just things that are becoming too hard to watch and, and be a part of. So I uh, resigned and told God, you know, clearly you have another path for me. I don't necessarily know what that is at this moment. And I got to stay home with my girls for about nine months. I thought I might go into another coaching role, like coaching teachers, um, again, because I still love to coach and teach. Um, and then I had a, a good friend talk about Longmont Christian, which I had actually looked at in the past when I was feeling similarly about uh, pr uh, public schools. And um, I came and met with Steve and just the realization that not only can I pour into kids academically with my skill set and my past, but I get to pour into them about Jesus too. And I can actually pray with students. Are you kidding me? It would, it just felt like a Shangri-La. It just felt like, um, the, the best of all my skill sets and, but also passions coming together. Yeah. So, um, as you were, so is it just Longmont Christian? It was the only school that you had looked at or, I yes. guess, I, I, okay, I was, yes. was going to say if there were others, what was it about Longmont Christian that you liked? Because I think you kind of covered, like you liked that you could be involved, you know, you, you one of your first um, professional development days, you had mentioned that like here we actually get to help the whole child the because whole child, we're yeah. on the spiritual side of things as well. Um, so I was going to say, was there anything else that like you, you know, looked at the school and, and felt like, okay, this is like where I should go? I felt like they were offering, speaking of whole child, the whole child approach. And that doesn't just mean we offer all kinds of different activities. The whole child really does look at social, emotional, academic, spiritual, physical. I mean, it, it looks at more than just stuff that you list on a website and, and clubs and groups and things like that. Those are all nice things or, you know, the shiny thing that kids look forward to, but what appealed to me was um, not just the class of Bible, not just having chapel, but the adults that were passionate about growing up disciples um, as they're teaching and as we're doing the, the education pieces, not just, um, you know, math and science and reading, but, but also how do we help them grow in their faith? Mm -hmm. Great. So that being said, kind of then as you've spent, uh, I guess it's been what, a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Here. What, um, what do you think has been your, the biggest recognizable difference between our school and some of the other schools that you've worked at? I feel like there's a joy in teaching and a joy for the kids that, um, exudes our staff. I really do feel blessed with the, the people here. Um, I feel like I can, you know, throw a new idea out and they're ready to go with it, um, you know, as long as they understand the connection to how it applies to our kids. Um, so I don't have to worry about 
you know, they love their content and like the kids. No, no, they love the kids and that's a parent. And then we can always work with content at any time Mm -hmm. um, and build teaching pedagogy. You know, that's, that's secondary to loving kids. And I don't, I don't doubt that. And I don't even have to work at that. Um, It's just a blessing to know that's our foundation that we love Christ and we love kids and then we can fill in the rest in professional development. Um, So that, I think that's the biggest piece. Um, And then as a a private school, you just don't have the burden and, um, you know, state mandates and regulations and changes in the law constantly. You don't have to worry about those. And, and not that all of them are bad, but it, it can just really distract you from, you know, trying to do your job. Um, now with that, you know, there are some things that resources for, um, students with special needs, you know, we don't have access to those, um, through the state. So that's obviously something I miss, Um, But we just have to get creative about it and figure out, okay, how do we accomplish that? Yeah. Christ is bigger than the state. So, yeah, um, I feel like he'll he'll reveal that plan. Yeah. So looking back over your um, experience with students and then obviously how your faith has collided with that. I don't know. I don't know if this is like a thing I just made up or a thing that I've heard before. But I think generally when you look at the public school system or you look at the idea of public schools compared to. Christian schools, kind of the attitude is like, okay, this, the state's like responsible for your education, your religious preferences, whatever they are, like you handle that at home, right? Like that's, that's on you to take care of at home, no matter what religion you are, whatever. But at the the public school, you can like, we're going to teach you, um, you know, all your math, science, history, right. Health, maybe even too. Um, but then at private Christian school, it's like we are, I think our, approach is you're giving your your kids a spiritual education at home by how you're raising them and then we're helping reinforce that here yeah so when it comes to the development of kids how important do you think or like can you talk about the importance of having spiritual development for say you know a junior kindergartner or a second grader and why like that you know people should choose that i think in 2023 now more than ever um if you're trying to lay a Christian foundation in your home and instill those values with your kids, um, it takes a village. And the other thing I loved about Longmont Christian, I noticed it in their handbooks and policies before I took the job, was the ideal of a partnership between the school and the home and the church because our kids are getting bombarded Um by culture, by a worldly culture at much, much younger ages. And I saw that in the public schools. Um, Things that used to happen in high school were now happening in sixth grade. And then things that happened typically in middle school were now, you're seeing kids experience that in elementary school. The books they read in elementary school were just opening up a whole new worldview that typically they didn't. They were, you know, more narrative stories and fun stories, and, and now they're almost getting political in the types of books that, that come out for really young ages. Um, so that's their job as public schools to, you know, they're supposed to promote and provide acceptance for all, but that makes it really hard as a parent to know 
well, what was presented to you today that you might have questions about? What what conflicts with our values that I don't know you may have been exposed to? And it's hard to have those conversations and um, support your home values when so much is getting thrown at them that they don't even know they don't know as a, as a kid. So I think as a private Christian school now is, like I said, just more important than ever to come along and partner with here's the Christian value foundation so that as these kids grow up and go on their way out into the world, not, we don't want to shelter them from the world, but we have to build a foundation for them that used to be able, you could accomplish that in the home. Um, I feel like my parents did that for my sister and I in our home. But these days as a parent myself, now we need more help than just, the home and, and Sunday school. Um, because like I said, it, it's just overwhelming what the world can throw at them now. Yeah. Even if they don't have a smartphone or even if they don't have, um, social media, even kids cartoons, I've noticed they're getting sneaky about it. Yeah. And you have to be on high alert. Yeah. And so what, one of the reasons we came up with the like uh, spiritual growth plan for each, each student was not because we were like, oh man, these kids aren't being spiritually developed at home. I think that some of the things I hear um, your students say, uh, even just in like PE class when we're talking about God and other things, that they're like, oh, well, my dad says this. It's like, I think our parents are doing an excellent, excellent job spiritually developing their kids. And then we were going, okay, well, if the parents are doing a good job and they're sending their kids here, are we as a school, you know, providing the best like support to help do that? And so that's kind of where... Um, the spiritual growth plan came out of is because we just were like, our parents are doing a good job. We need to come up with something to help, you know, add additional value to them as they do that. So um, on the last episode, I talked through the first three with Steve. um, And then I want to work through the second three with you and kind of get your take on, I guess the second three, but three through six of the benchmarks that we have that we're looking at spiritual growth with our, our students to get your kind of opinion or thought on them. So number four um, is kindness and compassion. And that one was specifically picked because I believe that like, as the Holy Spirit transforms us, we should become more kind and compassionate people. So do you want to talk about why that would be important for a spiritual development sense for kids? Well, that's exactly how Jesus was on this earth. And he was constantly bombarded with Um, the Pharisees and situations where people were not kind to him. And he just turned it back and exuded love for them, um, regardless of how they acted. And I think, you know, you turn on the TV and see grown adults um, hurting each other physically and verbally and again, now more than ever, kids need to know not just kindness, when things are good and for people that are like-minded, but how do you show Christ's kindness and love um, when you don't agree with someone? That's a skill we've kind of lost as a country. Um, Maybe we never had it. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But otherwise, they're just going to be wrought with conflict their entire life, and they won't be able to enjoy the peace of Jesus that comes with uh, being able to have different opinions and be kind to them. Yeah. Great. Thank you. The next one, this is number five, um, is service and outreach. Oh, 
near and dear to my heart because that um, he tells us to shine our light. And that's one of the ways that people see Jesus through us is when we're able to serve and reach out to those who are less fortunate. And he commands that. He talks about that in his word. Um, and you don't have to necessarily agree with government policies that might be in place with how the state takes care of, you know, people that might be down and out or, you know, the what policies are put in place for homeless or um, anything like that or social security. But we can absolutely extend God's love and service to those people that that need it. And that's one of the best ways to shine our light. Yeah. All right, so the last one we'll look at today is scripture memorization. And this one, um, I, I tried to word this one a little bit specifically because I think I've told, I've said this over and over again and in our staff meetings, and I say this in chapel a lot, is that I think that scripture memorization is one of the most important things that we do in our classrooms because it's like the the amount of people in the world now who don't know how, one, they don't know how to read the Bible. And two, they don't even like Christians in the world don't know how to read the Bible. And they don't know a lot of the Bible is, is pretty bad. I mean, like, especially when you look at like how back in the day, um, you know, people memorize the first like five books of the Bible and things like that. Um, and so that the fact that like our kids get to make that a part of their DNA is, is, is amazing. Right. Um, but I think a lot of times I, so, um, I'll probably talk about this a lot, but I went to school here. Um, and I went to school here before we had like a, a resource person like, um, we do now with Mrs. Pedersen and I am super dyslexic, like off the charts. And I had such a hard time memorizing Bible verses and cause it's just part of my brain that just didn't work well with that. Yeah. And you have to do it every week. And, you know, it's, it was just like a constant thing for, you know, 12 years of, of my life. And I, but the benefit that I have of pushing through and making that work has just been, um, one of the more transformable things I think that's ever happened to me. So I think it's just like a huge thing, but I think it's also, um, more than just the grade you get for that. I think what I try to put in with these, this benchmark is like, I want it to mean something to them. Like I want, I want the kids to understand like what that means and have it, have it become like a part of who they are when they sit down and memorize it. So, um, do you want to share anything about scripture memorization? Yeah, I grew up in, um, a Southern Baptist church. And then there was also some time that we were at a non-denominational church. And then when I went to college, I joined a really strong college ministry in a non-denominational non-denominational church, um, in Nacogdoches, Texas. Um, and scripture memory was always thought of as a discipline. And as our preschool director reminds me, discipline comes from the word disciple. And one of the strongest books I read on scripture memory was spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. I believe it's a really old book it is, um, yeah. that's been <laughs> edited and re-released and all kinds of things. But what stood out to me is that it's not a piece of legalization of our faith. It's a, it's how we know how much he loves us, who we are in him. And it, it's how we fight our battles as well. When we are, um, 
spinning in life with different situations maybe we didn't ask for, the ability to recall that kind of information, the encouragement of the word, the teaching of the word, the rebuking of the word, um, that's going to help us um, get through life. He doesn't promise us that it's going to be easy. So I think that scripture memorization is a huge piece of building that foundation for kids. Um, but yeah, not just to, you know, put a check mark by it, but it's building their faith and knowledge of this is what the Bible says. And at the end of the day, if it's not in the Bible, we need to fact check it. Yeah. And that's how you get your facts. Yeah. Um, so I wholeheartedly agree. There have definitely been times in my life it was stronger than not. Um, but the ability to say, wait a minute, I know that there's a verse that mentions the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it and are safe. But I couldn't always, you know, okay, it was Psalm. I don't know which one, but I'm going to Google the actual location and read the whole chapter. But I wouldn't have been able to recall that had I not spent time memorizing and, and studying the word. So even in our darkest of days, and that's probably a whole other podcast that I could go into once it's in your heart and we bind it around our heart and in our head um, we'll be able to recall and 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 use it in conversations with those in need and also for ourselves yeah so on you know this Thursday at 9 p.m. when you're going over it with your student and they're still (laughs) saying Acts 31 verses 1 through 2 when there's not 31 chapters in the book of Acts, just hang with them. <laughs> they mean Acts right. 13. It's important for their development and then they'll become better people because of it. So, well, thank you so much. Um, before we end up wrapping up here today, would you pray um, for our families and for just what they're walking through with their kids and, and then being um, just part of our school? Absolutely. Dear Lord, thank you for the families that we are partnering with. Um, in this journey of educating the whole child, Lord, that originally is yours. They are your children first, and and we get to be the vessels that pour into them on the school side. And I pray for our parents on the home side, on the home front, for the battles that they're going through that we know nothing about. Um, And I just pray that you would equip them as parents to seek you and understand the next best steps for their family, for their children, um, in alignment with your word and, and help them to find the original design of the children that you've blessed them with, Lord, and to be able to help them grow spiritually and help us partner in that position. We appreciate the love and support we give from our families and just feel blessed for those who are here in your name. Amen.